Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, welcome to the 282nd episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Zach Freshly, Stephen Kepfer, and Udo Putz. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Warren Kaplan. And today on the podcast, we have Matt Enlow, you know him from Squaresville, and Oren Kaplan, director of one of the best CPR training videos <laughs> ever made, circa 2004. Uh, welcome new listeners to Inside Jokes that I think only Oren and I get. Yeah, it's just Matt and Oren <laughs> no, today people get him. on the podcast. We are talking about a couple things, right? So uh, we're going to do a little bit of catch up. You and I are both kind of rocking and rolling on some fun jobs, and you've got some interesting insight from that. And we're also talking about pre-visualization, because I think you've really upped your game. You've inspired me to get going harder on my previs, and I've got a handful of disparate spots that all need their own different approach actually so i thought it would be a good thing to think about and talk about with everyone and one other thing what was it visiting sets oh yes visiting other people's sets something i just did and i have strong irrational feelings about so uh, it's gonna be a jam-packed episode hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah. Can I start off with asking you a rather controversial question? Ooh, please. How do you spell previs? Hmm. I, so I think I would call, I would think I would spell it P-R-E-V-I-S. And I'm sure VFX people spell it with a Z, right? Is that the difference? Uh, honestly, it is controversial. And people do spell it both ways. And obviously there's a dash between the pre and the viz usually. But it is a thing because... Not previs? <laughs> yeah. Previs. Previsdone. It's a drug. No, because it has turned into its own term and no one says pre-visualization, right? Right, right. So previs, I I usually use the Z because I think it's cooler, you know? Mm. Yeah, you know, to be honest, this is the first moment that I've ever given it any thought. So uh, I'm really trying to just think of what, what I would write if you were like, hey, write the word previs on the top of that document so we know what it's referring to. Right. But- yeah, well, speaking of that, when you use the term previs, what are you referring to? Mm, yeah, that's great. So I think mostly I'm referring to animatics. When I, in terms of my process, I would not refer to storyboards as previs because they are storyboards. But anything, as soon as you add an extra layer of animation or stock footage or animating them in any ways even even just like sequencing them putting them to music adding sound effects or even like light like uh, photoshopping sort of work any of that stuff i would call previs or or like pulling out an iphone or any other sort of camera and kind of shooting pieces that to me is all previs and i would say maybe concept art is also previs but you know look that's all what we're, what we're really talking about is like the way in which our processes have processes have evolved and why and when does it make sense to get more involved with the prep of a project yeah i think traditionally and i could be totally wrong but i think traditionally the term previs or previsualization does come from those big action films where there's going to be an action sequence with a lot of cg elements or vfx and artists are working on figuring out the timing and the visualization and the animation for all these shots, these animated shots so that, you know, Oh, we need to shoot Tom Cruise in this on, you know, writing this green blob and this unicorn he's on is going to, or the Pegasus will open its wings here. So we need to turn the fan on He at this point in time for his hair to start flying. Right. And so that's, I think the traditional previs way of doing things and where that term comes from but as we've all evolved as, as filmmakers into also being people that are editing the storyboards together and figuring out the music or the dialogue or like Jim Cummings recording a podcast of our entire movie before we go and make it all these various preparation techniques that usually involve some sort of technology and some sort of 
idea of timing and pacing and visuals now i think that's today what we call previs right it's it's the it's the scene or the commercial or whatever before you actually go and make it right right anything you can do to make the movie or sequence or whatever a little more concrete before you actually shoot it i would i would call previs you know it's so funny um two things come to mind one i think you're nailing it on the head like People talk about, oh man, technology has has really facilitated this new renaissance in indie filmmaking and micro budget filmmaking. Anyone can go out and shoot a movie, and all of that is is very very true. But also that means that anyone can do quite quite thorough previs in advance of shooting as well, because like you basically have the world's largest sound library available for you to you in YouTube ripoffs and uh, or youtube sound effects or you can cut together an animatic super fast now thanks to premiere all of that stuff means that your prep game has gotten much more serious as well and i know that you've you've made some very serious strides in terms of uh, your blender work that we'll talk about in a second but the other thing that it made me think of we've talked about it before but have you watched that show on netflix the movies that made us no but i think it's been mentioned on this podcast before yeah, yeah, I, th- I think maybe uh, it's probably been brought up plenty of times, and I'm sure plenty of our, our viewers are, you know, it's just kind of like a, a new version of like... Like, why is E.T. You know, the, good type of Yeah, thing? yeah, it's it, they're like poppier versions of DVD special features. You know, there's it's like the story of how a movie was made, and one of them is Back to the Future, and Back to the Future is a, a movie that I really, truly love. Deep cut, everyone. Yeah, it's pretty uh, But good. anyway... Uh, the lore of that film is, you know, Eric Stoltz was uh, originally supposed to be Marty McFly. They cast him. They shot a bunch of scenes. And, uh, you know, you can see some of that footage online or on special features and stuff like that. And then they, they go back and end up casting Michael J. Fox. But I didn't realize. And keep in mind, Robert Zemeckis has made three fe- studio features that are all flops. And then one hit in Romancing the Stone when he's making Back to the Future. How long do you think they shot with Eric Stoltz before they recast and had to reshoot the entire movie remember lead of the film right in every single scene yeah i i guess i don't even know what a weird answer would be but two weeks i don't know six and a half weeks so they got to shoot before and then they went back and started all over again so all of which is to say there's not a better version of previs than just literally shooting the Uh, movie right and then going back and redoing it again, and you can see there they realize like, oh shoot, like Eric Stoltz is in like this, like like dark jacket that kind of blends in and feels kind of fifties. And they thought, oh yeah, he should be able to blend in, and that'll be great. And they were like, no, wait a minute. Obviously, it's so much funnier if Marty sticks out like a sore thumb, right? Like all of these little things that they got to do that make the movie that much better and i thought i shouted out loud when i heard that it was six and a half weeks my wife was like that's embarrassing that you're so shocked by that <laughs> uh but 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 all of which is to say that uh pre-visualization has been helpful to a lot of filmmakers yeah i mean when we had like mercedes bryce morgan on she told us that she will film all the fi- fight scenes like on her iphone before they go shoot them you know just to figure out the camera angles and the choreography and all those things. And most stunt coordinators will do that as well if they have a, uh, any Anytime. amount of prep. Yeah. yeah. Man, your story reminded me of a different story. Our friend Gino, he's an editor. He's a really talented director also. He's had movies at Sundance and stuff. And 
he told me he was editing a friend's movie and he is just it's on the first day of editing he's just got all the footage and he plays like the first take of the first shot and it's this actor walking into a room and saying something like damn it what are you doing here or something and he's like wow this performance is is really bad this actor is really bad and he's like okay let's see how the second take is like second take Ooh, couldn't didn't think it could be worse but it's worse he's like okay let's see the third take pulls up the third take it's like oh my god this guy just does not know how to act it's so bad he's like should i go to take four i don't even know how to edit this movie he's like double clicks on take four hits play it's like the hallway he sees like the shadow of the guy coming in he walks in it's a different actor (laughs) they they, like recast him (laughs) three takes into the day (laughs) oh so brutal Um, yeah look i mean yeah at least with eric stoltz he had a very he had a great career before the movie and then, you know, had a great career afterwards. So not so bad. Yeah. That, have you, you ever feel, had you, to, I feel for those actors I, for sure. I, I know I'm taking a wild tangent here, but have you ever had to recast an actor because their performance wasn't good? I feel like the answer is yes, but I can't think of specifically when it has happened. Have you? I've definitely like cut an actor out of they made them less prominent in an edit. I certainly did that. Yeah. I've I never fired an actor, but dude, I have friends. If they're listening, they know who they are. <laughs> they made a movie and one of the actors, they were not a big fan of their performance and forget if there was a studio involved or some people, but basically everyone was like, yeah, this person is not good. And they ended up hiring a different actor to revoice all <gasps> of the dialogue. Oh. Oh, no. And the kicker, of course, is they did not tell the original actor. Oh, And no. when the movie gotta, came out, I think it you was a straight-to-DVD type of movie. They invited all their friends and family. They bought the Blu-ray or whatever, and they're like, come you to my house and watch this. You got to tell them. You got to tell them. <laughs> and Ugh. the actor hits play, and then everyone's like, uh, that is not your voice. <laughs> <laughs> did they do something? Wow, they were like remixed it or... They added some yeah. bass. Boy, oh, real. man, that's the worst. Because I, oh. so I've actually been on the receiving end of twice in the last month, and I, I've told you about both of them, of reading an email that I should not, that was accidentally forwarded to me. Like it was part of an email thread, and the last thing had to do with me. So somebody added me, like plus orange me. And I read through the thread, and twice this has happened recently. Like someone said something not that nice about me. And it's just like so hurtful, right? Like it's a real huge blow to the ego. So, and, and there, one of them was a comment on my work that, whatever, that I'm trying to be funny and I'm not funny, whatever. And another one was about my, it was actually a VFX thing, which I would think I wouldn't be sensitive about, but someone was like, hey, maybe we should try a different artist. I don't really like what Oren's doing here. You know, and it, innocent enough, right? Totally mm-hmm, normal mm-hmm. thing. Like you and I would have that type of conversation about, creatives all the time yeah but just to see that in an email about you when you know you weren't supposed to see it is it's kinda... that's the worst part i mean the, the truth of it is is that like it, i think both of those people i imagine would just be more tactful if you were there you know oh one million percent and it's with but with actors i realize they get those gut punches all the freaking time. time dude I, the my time. casting director on this last project i did she told me she's like Make sure not to write anything in the Zoom chat because the actors can see it. I don't know how many times I have to tell people. <laughs> don't write like this actor sucks in the Zoom chat. Every The actor will see it pop up on their screen. 
Uh, heartbreaking. I'm sure you've seen the, um, and then we'll get, I promise everyone we will get back on, on track, but I'm sure you've seen the, there was a thing that went viral where a young guy was auditioning for something. Oh, and, yes. Um, and they didn't mute their Zoom. The, the director. director didn't mute the Zoom and was like, oh, what a crappy apartment oh, this yes. kid lives in. And then the kid is like, yeah, I know. I'm trying to get out of here. Like, book I'm just me. trying to yeah. book some work. Yeah, book some work, and then I don't have to live in this dump anymore. Also, it didn't seem that bad, frankly. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. so... So, previs. So, all of which is to say, I think, you know, the more prepared you are, the less likely it is that you'll need to rethink a major creative decision, whether that's casting or a stunt or something even more expensive, ideally, in yeah. your work. Well, let me ask you, and then we'll dive into the specifics. Would you ever do previs for a drama or like a an emotional scene of any sort? Well, okay, uh, I will say this, or even a comedy scene. You know, when that, yeah. that's dialogue based comedy. I think that I have learned over the years because I'm I I was born into a relatively improvisational family. We shoot from the hip. We're easygoing. Yeah. You know, you were an we're, accident. Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah totally that's fine you know my parents Just were okay kidding. with it um <laughs> but you know like we we we're i was born in that world i'm okay with that it's like it's it doesn't make me feel unstable or, or out of control the way i think it makes some people feel and so there's an improvisational element to my work certainly like i i like to let it, you know inspiration strike me and all that that being said experience has taught me that the more prepared you are, the more thorough the, that preparation is, the more informed your improv and your inspiration is. And so it's not that it ever limits me in any way. You never get stuck in your ways because, you know, I'm so loosey-goosey. But I just know why something will work better or won't work because I've, I've kind of already done it, basically, is, is the whole point of prep. Or at least I've thought about it very thoroughly. Yeah. And, and you the, have backup the, ideas too. You know, oh, mm-hmm. we're going to do this thing. It's going to be super funny when this water balloon explodes on their head. But if it doesn't work, here's this other gag. Like after the balloon explodes, the confetti falls and it sticks to their head. Whatever. Right? Like, Yeah, exactly. So you're creating improvisational ideas, backup ideas, and prep just so you're not stuck on set. And I'm making room in my brain for the opportunities because i'm no longer thinking about like oh dang is this gonna cut together no i know it's gonna cut together because i already cut it together with drawings even if they're really rudimentary or something like that so i can kind of uh, move into that other stuff so the answer is i would love to prep everything as thoroughly as i can and the luxury of a 30 second commercial is that you know specifically i need to do it because i want to make sure that 30 seconds that i hit 30 seconds on the mark on the dot and it's short enough that it's not an insurmountable amount of work you know and so so yeah i i hope that i will prep everything as thoroughly as i can you i think when you're on features it's a lot harder just because you know it's a bigger machine and a bigger beast and sometimes you're doing things as they evolve but yeah that that that's my thought on 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 it all and i would say that you know you like Watching you get better at Blender and go from boards to 3D renders of your sets and then intercutting those and thinking more thoroughly about sound and music as a result has been a real inspiration for me. And so, like, even though I don't know that I'm 
chomping at the bit to get up to speed at Blender to the point where I'm able to, you know, approximate scenes the way you are. I think it's inspired me to think more thoroughly about those other elements, which is why I really like animatics. It's not just proving that the timing works. It's like, okay, well, like, what song should I use? I know all of the libraries that these people are going to be pulling from. I can maybe, like, if I pull the song, then maybe I know what the pacing needs to be. You know, for example, on one of the jobs that I'm doing currently, you know, it's like kind of a match cutty sort of sequence. And I realized because I picked a song that I'm hoping that we use. Wait, what do you mean by match cutty? That it's like similar frames are cut back to back with each other? Yeah, exactly. It's like two, two different scenes where the composition matches each other to the point where you're seeing a visual comparison through through montage, right? So, you know, you see someone screwing something on and then you cut to a, a person tightening a, a, a car part, for instance, you know, and you're like, oh, I see, like, there's a difference between these two scenes, but because of the way that we've composed them, they look similar. And so we're creating a connection between them. Yeah, that specifically is because you have inserts it's really great like inserts of action it's really great to figure out how the sound effects fit in between the dialogue and the music exactly how they all feel together and it gave me the realization in cutting together an animatic that i thought we needed an additional beat for timing just to kind of get the tempo and the pace right if i hadn't done all of this previs all of this work i probably wouldn't have realized a creative point of inspiration until the edit basically and not been able to do anything about it and look i could still be wrong i could it could be something where we end up going exactly as it was originally you know incepted or concepted but but as i see it now i think i have a very clear way of making it significantly better thanks to the having cut it all to de- together myself yeah yeah and even something like let's say you are editing it and you're like okay we have an insert shot of a car being washed you know rub whatever like a squeegeed and then a shot of a lug nut being tightened sometimes in the edit you you know it makes sense in your head because it's like a montage like insert insert right and then we do something else like these match cuts but when you edit it you're like oh wait i feel like i need a third one you know because now you're feeling that rhythm or you're like oh you know it'd be nice here is if the lug nut is like two clicks like you know with a socket wrench and so now when you're on set you're like oh let's get a take where you like turn it twice or turn it down and back up you know just you start you start getting feeling the rhythm of the shots which you know is easier to do with dialogue and maybe that's why we previs dialogue scenes less but it's harder to do with action and inserts and montage and so I think when you start editing those, especially if you have an idea of the tempo or the song that you're going to use, it's it's so helpful because you start finding other ways to give your work personality that aren't just dependent on a shot of this actor intercut with a shot of this car driving. You know, like like you're you're using the tools of editing and creating your story before you've even shot anything before you shot anything when it's cheap and easy and you have time to kind of change your mind and no one rolls your eyes when you're like um what if we tried it this way you know let me let me ask you Oren, in your process because like i said you do blender you kind of build the scene right and you've talked about on the show how literally building it means that it forces you to think through what you want in the background because you have to put it there literally right 
Yeah. Do you uh, do you Sometimes, voice the characters? Um. Well, about the about putting things in the background, sometimes it's an issue because I'll just randomly grab some 3D model off the internet, and then the client's like, "Hey, where's that xylophone <laughs> or whatever?" And you're like, yeah. "Oh, I just wanted a, some instruments, so I put it there." And they're like, "Well, the the agency really loves the xylophone. We we need to get one." And so I feel bad sometimes when I when I'm art direct over art directing just based right, on what right. 3D models were. It's like 2 a.m. and I'm just, oh, yeah, this will work. I'll just stick this thing sure. in the background. Yeah, you're just like downloading whatever yeah. you can get online. I've had a shoot where it's like, ooh, like I love the lighting. We have a lamp here and we have Christmas lights here and we have this and that. And then we get to set and the art director has gotten a smaller lamp and like less Christmas lights. And the cinematographer is like, ugh, your storyboard was so much better because the lamp was this wide, big, wide lamp. And now we have the skinny lamp and it's sure. the whole composition's off. And um, your your shopper is just like, yeah, I, I went to Target. This is the lamp they had. Yeah, but um, um, but yes, I do. Oh, voice, sorry, but, but uh, before before we get to my question, thank thank you because I want to talk about that a little bit. But it is a tightrope that you're watching walking with people being really literal, right? Boards, for instance, are are there to show people explicitly what is in your head and what you are intending to shoot. And so, like sometimes a storyboard artist will just like draw a little something in the background or whatever, or like. You know, it'll be the old version of a product or the old version of a label or whatever. And you'll have to spend a couple hundred bucks to pay that person to redraw that frame because the barcode shouldn't be there or whatever. So I think that even if you never intend to show agency, client, producers, crew members, anybody, your previs that work, you know, I think that it is worthwhile because sometimes it is a little hard for people to wrap their heads around it especially if it's relatively abstract if it's a thumbnail if you don't don't have the time to really give it that polish that really puts it across but that's exactly the other reason why i like to start putting in sound and music because it helps flesh things out more and connect the dots for people even better and maybe just maybe they fall in love with the song that you picked which yeah would be nice well i've had four jobs in the last few months where i pretty much this is going to sound like a dick thing to say, but I, I don't mean it in any bad way, but I pretty much designed the sets because I built them in Blender and then I showed the production designer and they're like, well, is there anything about your set you don't like? And I'm like, no, I, I, I like it because I designed it the way I would design it if I was a production designer. And they're like, okay, well, we're just going to build the set <laughs> like you designed it. Like why even waste time on like getting things approved? So... That's good and bad, I think. You know, it's bad because I'm not getting their input on the design. But the, so I have this job coming up. It's shooting next month. And the budget, it's a little tight for what we want to do. We basically have an, enough budget to have like a person on camera um, and on one set that we build, you know, saying some things. But we've pivoted the idea and now we need four sets with the same budget and four actors. So the production company was like, hey, Orin, you get one wall sets. We we can we will literally build four walls and each actor gets one wall and you can shoot them in front of that wall right and you can make that wall be whatever you want but we found the stage avenue six they have like a u-shaped stage already there and so i'm like okay well we have this super long wall it's 44 feet across and then we have these two returns so we already have this u can i if i just add two walls to this existing stage can I build four sets that each have two walls? 
um, so that I can shoot into a corner and I can get some coverage and I can do a reverse insert shot or I can do a profile shot without using any more walls than they originally gave me. And so for something like... Hold on. I, I want to dissect that just a tiny bit because I think it's worth explaining to people. So the reason that the producer said you only get four walls is mon- money. Yeah. Purely. Because... Right? They're just like... Yeah. They, they know it would be better if you had more walls, but they just only had... It was budgeted for one wall in the first place and now it has to be four walls. Well, so originally there's... I had like two walls, like a corner, you know... Like a sure, corner sure, of a sure. room that we were building. It, the the job got more expensive than it was bid for, right? So they had expectations and a budget for a cheaper idea. And now all of a sudden they have to pay for a more expensive idea. So they're trying to limit you that way. They they know that creatively it would be better, but the money is the money. So the reason that you want corners rather than flat walls is because if you have dialogue, A, you add more depth, right? You're not shooting against something flat. That inherently looks better. But if you have dialogue, if you have two characters who are talking to each other, if they're both on a flat wall, the only angle that you can get is flat against that wall. So you do kind of punch-ins rather than any sort of angle on them. I will say there's right? only one character per set, but they're all interacting with computers. And so I would think that the monitor, like if I want to get a reverse on the monitor or I want to get a side shot of them typing, like a close-up, or we might use like a probe lens or something on the keyboard their fingers instead of having to do it frontal it would be nice if i could do that shot from the side so i have a wall behind and then i also why don't you what sorry clarification why don't you just make it one wall and clock the set uh, like clock the the desk and everything and just use the Mm -hmm. same wall as the side i mean Mm -hmm. sure i could but it would be the same color the lighting would look the same you know i think can i tell you a, a surprising secret Sure. Have you seen What If Google Was a Guy? Oh, yes. It's the same. Both sides are the it's same the, side, right? But yeah, we only have one wall in that piece. Yeah. No, I, A, if you haven't seen What If Google Was a Guy, you should check it out. Matt directed it's It's a series, but you directed a few of them, right? I did the last half. Tim Wilkheim did the first. Oh, yeah. So, so t- it was Tim's decision to do the, um, the one wall thing. And they, again, it was just a budget thing. You just, right. They just... They flip the the desk around and and that's that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what if Google was a guy, part of the aesthetic of that is it's supposed to look like a super corporate, like kind of cubicle-y type of company. Like, hey, here's, welcome to the office. And it's like, everything looks the same and it's kind of generic, right? I mean, it, it looks good, but there's an air of like, you know, office space to it, right? Like that type yeah, of vibe. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's meant to feel fluorescent. and Yeah. yeah. And I'm trying to uh, do something. Mine actually get much dirtier. Minor, or it's much a it's a sloppier place, which makes less sense for people actually. <laughs> right? Yeah, but with more kind of clutter and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is awesome, yeah. and that's how what you do. I think when you have one wall, you're like, let's what can we put in front of that wall? But yeah, so I I've shot. I did this that Keebler campaign, the crackers with the Angela Kinsey. You know, if you go to my website, you can see it. And we had one 16 foot wall for that. And we were just battling it the entire time. And all we had was one actor in front of this wall. But as soon as you move the camera back, if you want to use any wide lens whatsoever, you can. You, your actor has to be like six feet away from the wall. And when you put an actor six feet away from a wall, it's very hard to sneak a backlight in behind them. You know, it's hard to get them to have a big range of motion or to do anything, to spin, to dance, to jump, to walk. You you can only have them walk sideways, but then you can only have them walk sideways like two feet before you lose the, that wall. 
But once you have a corner you to shoot into, aside from the fact that, you know, my I have like a man crush on Wandering DP, the YouTuber who says his number one rule is like shoot into the corner of the room. Uh, but it just instantly gives you contrast, like seeing two walls, it helps you determine the direction of the light, right? One wall is going to be brighter than the other wall. One, you can fake a window and you can see the the window uh, light on one wall and you can, it, it just, it's just this whole extra layer of depth, like you said, that lets you do things. And it also allows you to bring your actor way farther away from the wall. And if, let's say it's a person sitting at a computer with a desk and you have two, like two walls and a corner configuration, then you can get a frontal shot on them and a profile shot. Right. So it just gives you options. And I think as we know from like cinema 101, the more different your two shots are, the easier chance you can cut between them and no one will notice the continuity issues or any of the other issues. So anyway, I had four one wall sets and I wanted to build four two wall sets out of them. And I knew that this stage already had a U-shaped, U-shaped walls, like stage walls, like where we could put lights behind them and things. Right. And we could right. Paint so them. you're trying to steal two of the existing, really three of the existing walls and then yeah. build on those. And add yeah. two walls. Yeah. One right in the middle, splitting the stage. So that gives me four corners already, but then another one that gives me a, a couple options to just make not every set look exactly the same. And also we wanted to paint the walls. I wanted to do things to so the walls. It's did not... they, did they let you do it? <sighs> well, because our, it's so boring, but the, the shoot pushed in the stage is no longer available. Uh, but we'll see, but I'm going to try to do this, this plan. But for that job, my blender work was less about art direction and camera angles, even though it was a little bit that, but it was more of saying to the producer and the production designer, look, we can do this with two walls. We can get four corners that will look good and you can paint them and they, you will never have to see any wall in two sets. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think that's another interesting part of previs. It's not just about us figuring out what we want. It's also communicating to the rest of the team. And that can be, you know, a version of like, look, I don't think this is going to work or, or see how cool this will be, which is also an, a thing that I, have managed to um, pull off with these current spots a little bit of like, hey, look, like I think, see how much better it would be if we did it this way. I think this could work. And that's not combative, right? Like everyone has been very, you know, it's rare that you're working on a project where people aren't interested in making it awesome. It's just that everyone has different roles that kind of force them to limit some of the creative possibilities sometimes. Yeah, you know. but also on a commercial, on a smaller job, on something, let's say you're making a short film on the weekends and you have a day job, doing previs takes a lot of time. So you as a director, you have this job, you know, you have this shoot coming up and you could, you know, do a day of casting, do a day of location scouting, do a day of meetings, do a day with the storyboard artist, all these days, right? So that's already like five or six days travel and yeah, all yeah. that stuff. I'm I'm only on this job right now. Or rather, I, I was on two jobs at once actually a few weeks ago, and th there's no way you have the same amount of time to, to do this sort of work. It's re it's truly a luxury, you know? Yeah. So already without doing anything extra, being the director of a one-day shoot is like six days of work just before you even get to that shoot day, right? So previs is like another one or two solid days of work. And this is, you know, I'm talking about just kind of like 
either playing in a 3D program or shooting some stuff on green screen or doing something with your iPhone and like your friends and then editing it together. That's two days of work that you basically don't get paid any more money for. I'll I'll counter you though, actually. And I think this is maybe one of the big differences between our processes is because I always have to board things out for agency just so they see what, what I'm aiming for. So that work is already part of the job. The act of putting things together, recording a little voiceover, pulling some stock, throwing, slapping on some sound and stuff, maybe a half a day. I've done it on airplanes before plenty of times. And look, it's not as polished, you know, like I'm not posting them to Instagram as much, Oren, but they get the job done. And so I think that there is really what the problem is, is that once you do it the kind of quick and dirty way and you see how helpful it is, then you want to go ahead and flesh it out more. And on the next job, you're doing a full sound design. And then on the next job, you're like, well, I'm wait- maybe I get into some lightweight 3D and maybe some After Effects. And before you know it, you're just doing a 3D animated film of your spot before you even get there. But but there is a lightweight, manageable version that still yields tremendous results. Yeah, I personally have never done like a half day, unless you count like starting at 10 p.m. and finishing at 5 a.m. as a half day. Like I, to me, it, the the reason for doing it is to explore things, you know. So it's like I'm trying different things, and there's a difference to me, I think, between a previs and taking the storyboards and editing them to time and seeing if they fit 30 seconds or 15 seconds or 60 or whatever you're trying to do. That is something. Yes, you can just do on an airplane. You get like JPEGs for each board. You put a 30 second song down and do a scratch track of the audio, and you edit them and yeah you can do that in a couple hours but if you want to make something that you want to show the agency and get them pumped and show the whole crew and be like this is how it works and this is the timing and here's the sound effects and this is the shot and here this thing is going to happen you maybe cut out a character and try to animate them or whatever you know the the thing you worked on today you literally shot a green screen you know element and animated it and brought it into after effects or wherever you keyed it premiere and did some things like that's a it gets you a lot of points with your crew and your your clients and everything because clearly you care about this and are thinking about it in a more tactile way than they are and b it helps you because for me literally half the time i try ideas out they don't work and i'm so happy that i didn't get to set and fight and fought for these things that end up not working you know Yeah, well, and that kind of brings me back to my question about whether you do scratch tracks or not and how much performance you put on them. Because I think that, you know, I know you were kind of being flippant to make a point that there is a pretty big difference between something super polished and something really rough. But I think that the rough stuff, I'll stand by it, I think still is, is very valuable and is still exploratory. And one of those ways in which it's exploratory in a way that's unique is doing the scratch track yourself puts you in the shoes of the performers. You understand like, oh, is this joke fun to say? Does this make sense coming out of my mouth? Is this embarrassing? What might they not understand about why it's scripted this way? You know, they don't don't have the background of knowing what the legal team has asked of them or, you know, how long this thing needs to be or, you know, any of the, you know, tons of conversations that you've had they don't have any of that stuff so but but just being reminded of what it's like to be them just in a teeny tiny way even if you're just talking to 
you know, the voice memo app on your phone, I think is quite valuable in terms of just understanding what it is to be an actor. Yeah. Well, and this is a list of things I probably shouldn't say on the podcast, but I, if you go to my Instagram page, I did post a side-by-side video of something I made recently where I acted out all the parts and then I edited it, intercut it with the the final product that we actually shot with a professional actor that, you know, is known. Famous. In, yeah, is, is, yeah. You know, kind of known yeah. in some parts, was on some TV shows and has a big social following and is an actor, is a professional actor. And there are some people <laughs> that thought potentially <laughs> my performance <laughs> might have been a little more right for the project. <laughs> Uh, Uh, I was probably I know I was one of those people and so I'll take a little bit of heat off you but that's that's more about again you understanding the context of like what makes this funny and how it's going to work together right and the timing of it and, and how the timing you know I think a lot of TV actors and feature film actors don't get the timing of commercials that how fast it has to be to be enter- even mildly entertaining. And so, yeah, but when I acted that out, I was like, oh, this could be funny because I feel like when I'm doing, I-, I could see me, but a funnier, better, you know, trained version of me could really kill this. Mm-hmm. And then... Well, and it's worth pointing out, yeah. if I recall, the reason that you did that, the reason that you, you know, put on a bathrobe and like, you know, some makeshift costumes and stuff was to prove a VFX idea was feasible. Yeah. Right. Basically one, yeah, and, one actor playing two parts in the same scene. Right. Yeah. And, and, and like, you know, like, Hey, hey it's okay to, you know, it's not, it, they don't have to be clean singles the whole way through and lock offs, but you got all that extra added value of understanding things better. And I think that that's the other thing that the industry has sort of learned is like, Oh, it's not just for action scenes anymore. It's not just for, the stunts that are super dangerous or the stuff that's going to be incredibly expensive to do in CG is valuable for everything, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, this might be an interesting segue to one other topic I wanted to touch on today, which is about visiting other people's sets because I recently this week, I was the VFX supervisor on a commercial. And so I went to somebody else's set. I was not the director. I only had to go there for a couple hours, which was a pleasure. And we were shooting the scene where this girl has to mix some cocoa with a spoon, teaspoon. And then we cut to a, a shot of the mug and something happened, like a visual effect. That was my shot. That's what I was there for. And I said to the director, I said, you know, I think obviously she should take the spoon out of the cocoa before she leaves the room so that when we do the visual effects shot, there isn't a spoon in there. It'll complicate everything. And he agreed with me, but part of the blocking now of this the scene is this girl is mixing the cocoa and then she has to pull a spoon out and it's got chocolate hot cocoa on it so it's dripping so she has to carefully put it down and it's literally adding like a second of time onto this shot you know and in a 30 second commercial a second makes a big and any normal person would probably like lick the spoon clean before they put it down (laughs) you know i should have you talk to kara because i i lick my utensils a lot and she thinks it's disgusting i don't know anyhow i'm just saying if you're gonna put it down yeah it yes it is gross but it's less gross (laughs) than a sloppy you know hot chocolate all over the place your whole house is white 
You're telling me your wife wants you to just put chocolate spoons everywhere? No, let them clean. <laughs> right. Put them in the sink. But then it becomes like an art direction thing. Like, oh, maybe we should put a napkin here. Maybe there's a little tray mm-hmm, she can put the spoon mm-hmm. on. And right, right. You, you were the, a it, domino. Yeah. And it's a perfect example of what you were saying earlier, which is if you do the acting yourself, if you block out the scene before you're on set, you realize, oh, wait, there is this thing I, it, in the storyboards. Of course, we're not going to draw her putting the spoon down on the, the table. But now this is the thing that has to happen. And we have to choose whether we just will throw the continuity out of the door and we don't care about it or whether she we take that extra second or whether we can find a, a reason for her to take the spoon with her or something else she's picking up off the table as she's putting the spoon down. And it's that's previs, I think, even for a really simple scene like someone just making hot cocoa, why as a director it's helpful to think out literally the exact blocking of what the actors are doing, what they're saying, and all those things. So anyway, yes, I'm a, obviously a huge proponent of previs. I don't think... You have to do it in Blender. Uh, on the contrary, I've I mentioned this to you, Matt. I did a job recently where the producer had seen all of my Blender renders on Instagram and was disappointed that I didn't make one for that job. It was a really Why hard job. Why didn't you do it, Oren? Don't you care about that job? I cared about it very much, but I did. <laughs> I did for that job. There was a lot of green screen elements and resizing of people, and I thought because I have limited time to do previs. It would be more important to shoot myself on a green screen and comp it into some shots to see how that would look as opposed to spending a day or two in Blender building models and choosing camera angles because it, the camera angles were Did easier. you have boards? Did you do uh, boards with the uh, board artist or no? Yeah. And two. So there's yeah eight spots. We had two different board artists working on it at the same time, which is <sighs> honestly storyboards yeah. are like really not, stressful not. to me. <laughs> Yeah, it just yeah. um, it's a it's a lot of work. But anyway, well, let's hop into that uh that uh, you were segueing so yeah. cleanly. Yeah, that's so proud of topic of of being on other people's sets. So I was actually talking to a previous guest, Seth Worley, on my way over there because he's helping me out with this visual effects shot. And he mentioned said, "Isn't it just such a pleasure to be on a set where you are responsible for so little, where you can just kind of come in, check out craft service." Which, by the way, the craft service was pretty good. Uh, I got a banana Ooh. protein shake with a shot of espresso. I heard, like, the key grip Ooh, order yeah. that. And I was like, whoa. I, yeah. Do you mind if I steal your order? It sounds delicious. Yeah. Now, pro tip, definitely, like, ordering whatever, like, camera or, like, keep an ear on comms, basically. Because <laughs> yeah. there's a department that knows what the good shit is. And uh, Yeah. Well, it was day three of the shoot, but it was my first day there. So, everyone already there knew, like, what to order. Um, yeah. but it was, but I was like, yeah, it's so fun. And I got the DP there was, uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but he's like, you know, he's shot like one of the star Wars and he's, yeah, he's, uh, quite impressive. And so just like, I got to watch how he lights, which was incredibly simple, which was awesome. I mean, I love it when you see these like giant, you know, like kind of $200 million movie DPs lighting with like, you know, one, a stereo tube or something. It's just so cool. And then I got to watch the director direct. I got to watch him interact with the actors. I got to watch like the camera team do their thing. And it was just a pleasure. And then I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm out of here. <laughs> so I, yes, I, I, I know that sometimes it's not fun to be on other people's sets where you're just kind of like a wallflower and you're standing there for eight hours with nothing to do. But I think a set visit 
is just like so fun. Um, now, Matt, you tell me your point of view because I know it's different. I love that. And you know what you, you made me think of? So uh, my wife acted and directed a movie. It's uh, playing festivals right now. We're on our way to Phoenix and relatively soon. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm uh, you know, yeah, one of you. the funders of the movie. That's true. That's true. You've, you've been getting we the, the funders. Um, <laughs> but so uh, she was always like, oh, man, it's so fun if if I'm just directing or just acting in a project doing both is too much. So it feels like a vacation for her one way or the other. Um, I, I I totally see what you're saying. And I think there's something really nice about like if you're friends with people and you can swing by and you, you know, you say hi to your favorite, you know, costume director or something like that. Anyway, I I get antsy. I get antsy when I don't have anything good to do, you know? Yeah. Like you don't want to be in the way. I don't want, yeah. So, so then I'm standing at monitor and I, I, I've gotten better at it over the years, but I still can't stop wanting to make suggestions. Oh yeah. That is hard. And, and I, and, 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 and now it's that extra layer of knowing that makes me utter garbage. Uh, I, I remember being an extra on a friend's, shoot and and giving a blocking note and i i I just have a really hard time not doing that Uh, on night owls i swung swung by night owls is a movie that ended up on netflix yeah Uh, the director on uh, episode two the director three and screenwriter yep screenwriter was my like college roommate for basically all four years like i know those guys very well and i managed to not i gave one like wardrobe note that was just like oh like a like uh, a strap on a, a actor looked weird and they needed to fix it. No one was on monitor to, to catch it at the time. So I felt good about it. They did a take or two and I was like, you need to fix that. Wait, and they were so, like, thanks. So tell me, if you were the director and someone, your director friend said that to you, what would your feeling be? I'd be okay with it. I'd totally be okay with it. That's the, I'm telling that anecdote because that is the only circumstance where I've given a note where it was at all appropriate. And I hate myself for overstepping like that and so i'm either thinking about the note that i want to give giving the note or hating myself for giving the note most of the time when i'm on a friend set well let me so on this set so this director is like you know pretty sure he's oscar, oscar nominated winner. or yeah did he win the winner winner oh mm-hmm. oscar mm-hmm. winner <laughs> and so i did this thing and tell me if i shouldn't have <laughs> But I, I've been on a set directing and there's 20 people around and, you know, half of them are on their phone and everyone's being quiet and the actors are doing their thing and you do a couple takes and the client and agency are in a different room so you don't hear what's going on and you just have to be the soundtrack of the set, right? You're like, that was awesome. That's so funny. That reminds me of what I did last night. Okay, let's go again. You know, and so I did this thing and it, it was subtle and quiet. And I don't even know if it was registered by the director, but I was like, Oh, that was good. That was a great take or something. Or that looked really good. You know, like I just kind of gave like little tiny compliments, but it they wasn't like, Whoa, that was great directing. It was like, Oh, that, you know, that, 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 so that was really great. Yeah. Because when I'm on set and I have an AD that's like at the monitor with me and they're like, Oh, that was good. You know, like just giving me some, a tiny bit of validation. I, it makes me feel good. You know, like honestly, if it was literally the, like the mom of a child actor at the monitor with me and we see the take and her kid isn't even in the scene and her kid's like, and she's like, Oh, that was funny. I, it would be, make me happy, you know? 
So it's not giving a note, but it's like saying like, oh, cool. This is awesome. Let's, you know. Yeah. What do you think? It's really hard, Oren, because <laughs> what you're describing is is um, annoying. You're you're clarifying what you like to see in a set, what, what vibe you like, what you think is good, what you think is good, like positive reinforcement. And I think all of that is totally valid and good. But having a tiny glimpse of what this director is like they may have a totally different take on A, what's good, B, what they want their set to feel like, and C, how they want to kind of communicate with their crew, right? So, like, is that, is, oh, that's good, positive reinforcement necessarily bag? I don't know. But you're... I don't know. You're going to, like, not believe this, but I felt like it was... So I was standing right next to him because... Mm -hmm. It, it's and sh- you have a rapport with him. You know, yeah, and it's the shot that comes before, before the VFX shot. So I had like notes on it, like, hey, you know, she spun the spoon clockwise in this take and counterclockwise in the other take. Like, if you don't have a preference, can you can we just make sure it's the same direction because because it plays into the next shot? But it's, I wasn't like that was awesome, guy. <laughs> like I wasn't talking to the actors. <laughs> I wasn't like, talking to the that's crew. How it's done. <laughs> I wasn't like, All right. yeah, loved it. Moving loved that on. performance. Right. Yeah, right, no, guys? I was just yeah, like. Yeah, sure. Oh, cool. That was great. You know, like, like literally at, at that volume. And I don't even know if he heard me at all, but it was more just like tr- breaking the like tension of silence on a set, you know? Well, so that that's really what I'm getting at is that maybe they like that they're a quiet set. I very much think that he didn't because A, he was like playing music in between scenes, you know, just on his phone, like trying to get people in the mood. And it was like this festive spot and... And sometimes I would just like, I wouldn't even talk to him, but I would say to the, like the camera, the second AC was standing next to me because she, she had a monitor that she was like letting me take photos of. And I'd be like, oh, cool. That, that was good. You know, to her, like, I, I don't know, because I, yeah, I felt like I, I was I reading like the room, but I, I could be totally wrong, you know? Well, and that, that's the real answer is just read the room. Right. I'm, I feel like I'm sounding contrary no, no, and I, I hear you. I, nice, I hear myself you know. describing what I did, and it sounds obnoxious. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a, there's a version of that that I know you didn't do, but that right. I would be like, we need to get Orin off the set, please. <laughs> right, so. there's a version like that's like a Will Arnett character where he's like, bravo, Oscar for that person, oh, oh, you know? <laughs> like, or even just like, nice, you know, and you're yeah. like, oh. Come on, man. Jeez. Yeah. Trying to set a tone here. Just going to have some cocoa. So it wasn't that, but it was just like, I was just trying to like be positive, you know, in a, in, in a genuine way. I wasn't like, Ooh, that was good when it wasn't good. But I know he, first of all, it was a kid actor and he was like trying to get her to do all these blocking things in a very short amount of time. And then he's like, Oh, well, let's try again. Just a little bit quicker. And, and then, and you know, and she got it and I'd be like, Oh, you know, that was, that was really good. You know, some something to, mm-hmm. to that effect, like so, like you could barely make out what I'm even saying. Yeah, and generally speaking, I like it. I just I like to be it. It brings out the control that I like to have on a set, which is you know clearly psychological problems of my own, and also want, wanting to defer to the, whoever said this. You know, right? Because I think based on our conversation till now. It sounds very clear that I just like the to be there and witness the magic, whether I'm a part of it or not. And you have a preference to be a part of it and have trouble not putting your voice in. However, the one situation where I feel like it's totally flipped is when it comes to an actual shadowing of directors, because I've done it and 
my experience has not been that great, mainly because I literally feel like I'm a shadow against the wall, like just staying out of the way and trying to be silent and almost being an imposition that I'm on the set. Whereas you've had great experience shadowing. So yeah, what's your take on that? I think that, again, reading the room, and I think some of it is, is just really putting in the time to kind of get to know people. I had friends on that set, you know, so like people were vouching for me. You, you just, on a subliminal level, you know, I'm with the director and then they see me, you know, hugging a friend or saying hello. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this person's cool. They must not be, you know, so bad, creepy or or like or trying somebody somebody special or trying too hard or or a snob you know like if they're cool with these people they're probably okay you right. know hopefully you told them they're you probably one UCLA of LA film school or something less snobby <laughs> than where you really went less snobby than you yeah 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 i i think that like you, you kind of have to know your place as well you know i would ask questions in that case i had a confidant too and so my job was just to like watch that person work and pick up what i could you know and that was helpful and i guess that you know you were younger when you were shadowing and so maybe you didn't know protocol in quite the same way you know and that's really what we're talking about with with my ideas as as well or the way that i want to kind of like give notes or improve things it's just that i want to help my friends as much as it is that i have an idea of how i would do whatever scene or achieve whatever objective they're trying to to achieve it's just that it's like the more experience you have working the better you are at knowing when you can insert yourself into give them that suggestion or whether it's appropriate or not yeah that's all that's it right yeah one of my very first sets ever was on a student film at afi and i was the dolly grip and i didn't even know what i was doing as a dolly i might have actually been the boom operator i didn't even know how to do that and i did there was a scene, the director was having trouble getting a performance and after it ended, I went up to him and I was like, you know, I was thinking like, what if you would have said this to the actor? And I was literally in my mind and mind you, I was still like kind of an engineer <laughs> uh, as my main job. In my mind, it was like a puzzle. Like, what is the thing that you can say to that person to get them to do the thing you want them to do? Right. Two plus two equals four. And <laughs> right. I've been saying two plus three. And so you're getting five. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, ooh, I figured, I think I figured out an answer to the puzzle to the riddle. And I told it to the director and he got livid. He was like, why is the boom operator telling me how to do it? And I was like, oh man. Well, and, so and I had, and I had no perspective on it. Like I didn't, I, right. I couldn't see things from where he was coming from. And also he's overreacting because he didn't get the performance and everybody knows it, even the boom operator, right? Right. So, so, so there's yeah. that. It was I, a I did student the same film in, in for film what school. it's worth, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I did the same, but I did it out loud to everyone. Oh, why? Well, a producer yeah. pulled me aside later. I was like, "Hey, you shouldn't do that, even if it's a good idea." I don't think they said that part. Anyway, if you're a listener and you want to shadow Matt or me, you know, and just uh, send uh, send Matt an yeah. email. Yeah, I I've had listeners shadow. No, actually. you have not. Yes, I have. Who's shadowed you? Josh Stubner. He helped on my uh, on a gray one. Oh, okay. But he helped is different than shadowed. But the the trade off was he helped my friend produce it and and PA'd, but also mostly shadowed. 
Okay. I've had like some director friends, you know, they're a little younger coming up, ask me if they could shadow me on some things. And I'd be like, yeah, well, I have this shoot coming up and I have this and I have this. Which do you want to come? And they're like, ah, yeah, that doesn't work for my schedule. And I'm like, God damn it. Why do I want you to shadow me more than you you want to shadow me? It's a lot easier to have someone shadow on a short film too. Like something that you have ownership of is way, way easier than like if you're dealing with client and insurance and all of that yeah. stuff. Well, now with COVID, it's like, I can't even, yeah, yeah. like no, I used to have, like my wife would come by set and say hi, but now it's like, yeah, I got to get two PCR tests 24 hours beforehand. Anyhow, Matt, what did we learn today? We learned about pre-visualization. Uh, yeah. You should do it. Previs and- yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the true takeaway. And then um, when you're a guest on set, read the room. Don't make any suggestions unless someone is really looking for it. But a little positive reinforcement and uh, making them feel good doesn't seem so bad. Yeah. When I do my proof of concept shoot, if you're a listener, you can come uh, come hang out on set. Hey, there you go. I guarantee you're going to get an email or two. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. I'm just ready for you to do a proof of concept shoot. I'm there too. Yeah. I mean, I've been planning I'll, this. Proof. I'll bring this is you a, the best proof of concept shoot ever. I've been talking about it on the podcast for five years. Or and I will I will bring you a, a smoothie like a banana protein smoothie with a shot of espresso yeah. whenever you want. Which, by the way... I feel like such a hot shot. It's one of those things that I order on set, but I would never in a billion years like go out to like a Jamba Juice and buy that thing. You know, It's more of like a, just oppor- opportunity knocked. I'll, I'll get a slurping. smoothie every once in a while. I'll get a smoothie every once in a while. A banana a protein smoothie with a shot of espresso. Come on. Yeah, yeah chunky it's monkey. Indulgent. <laughs> mm, it's pretty good. Okay. Uh, Matt, do you have time to join me for an unpaid endorsement? <laughs> I do indeed. Unpaid endorsements. So the first one, have you seen the Red Giant tutorial video from Hashi? Fake Drawn Me. Have you watched that one? Yeah, of course. Of course, of course you have. Fake Drawn Me. He basically does a really great tutorial on how to do the take on me style uh hand-drawn animation right the classic easily music the best, video the classic music video the e- easily the best version of that effect that i've seen that's not just actual rotoscoping maybe ever like i've seen so many crappy you know fake drawing filters over the years and this is the first process that looks good in any way and is totally approachable he has even has the templates available to download but the kicker the chef's kiss of all of this is that for the first 30 seconds, he does a music video parody where he sings along to the song Take On Me, explaining how to do the tutorial Fake Drawn Me. And it's it's quite exquisite. It's really well done. It's yeah. really good. And I know people on Twitter are like, we can't ever make another tutorial after you <laughs> you did That's this. That's it. It's it. It's so good. It's everything so is good. bad compared to this. Yeah, he is inhuman in his talent. Yeah, so good, so good, so well done. Fake drawn me, and then the other one is a real curveball. But uh, as we've talked about over the pandemic, I've taken to digging through virtual old record stores, and uh, I was doing that on Discogs.com, looking through a seller's novelty and soundtrack selection and found a seven inch record called dance to the et theme and it is a disco remix 
of the E.T. theme that I purchased for myself and cherish very much, but is available on YouTube. And it is legitimately weird and kind of a jam. So if you've ever thought, boy, I love the theme to E.T., but wouldn't it be better if I could dance to it? I got you covered now. Awesome. <laughs> uh, well, Lauren, what you got, buddy? Okay, so because I don't have a good endorsement, I'm just going to give three tips that I came up with this week that I've applied to my own life. Some life hacks from Oren Kaplan. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. All right, hit me. Film-related life hacks. Number one, you see an amazing short on Short of the Week or a Vimeo staff pick. And you're like, wow, the cinematography and this is incredible. The acting was incredible. Something was incredible. Just email the person that did that thing that you think is incredible and say, hey, let's grab coffee. And nine times out of 10, they'll say, yeah, let's do it. Obviously, yeah. it helps if you live in the same city. Tip number two, if you feel comfortable at all in the edit suite and you're working on something remotely, probably because of COVID and everything. Uh, just ask your editor for the project file once uh, they're done with the edit and then just make all those tiny little tweaks that have been driving you nuts. And then just send them the edit file back and they probably will not be nearly as annoyed as you think they'll be. I'm doing that Um, right now in a project. Or maybe you don't care. Or maybe you don't care. Or maybe, yeah. Because I I see edits, you know, I'm working on this eight spot campaign. I'm like, ah, they could have cut like half a second earlier or like this should just be a little louder. This just, needs one more second to land you know or can we just slip this like the person starts blinking their eyes right before the cut you know those things that you could painstakingly try to note to an editor you can just do yourself and play around with things and maybe you'll find out that the editor did things for a reason so you don't have to bug them about it was all the footage online was it all in a cloud well because uh... of covid and you know a lot of projects now i'm seeing it's like a dropbox so they they added me to dropbox it was a 750 gig dropbox sync i had to Mm -hmm. do so it was like a basically a day worth of dropbox syncing but i have a question actually are you syncing that 750 gigs directly to your hard drive or can you set it you are okay yeah i wish you could set a file to just go to a an external hard drive an external drive so 750 gigs laying around what you can do is you can sync it to your local hard drive then copy it to an external hard drive then in premiere whatever editing software you do make it relink it relink it to the external hard drive and then if you have the pro dropbox account or whatever like the the paid one is uh you can smart sync files which means they're on dropbox in the cloud but they're not locally on your computer and so i do that in order to save hard drive space like you know my master hard drive or whatever it's called um final tip if you're trying to find out how much to charge someone for a job just call the producer of your last job and ask them what they think <laughs> hey that's a good one uh, that's a good one. what the most yeah. you charge because i just did that for a vfx job where i was like i have a feeling they have a bigger budget on this job than on the previous job i just want to confirm with the producer from the previous job if they think it would be absurd for me to send kind of a bigger estimate so yeah and even like directing you know our friend Eben Kosbar he's the one it's something that we all know but he's kind of the one that just really spelled it out to me he told me he's like you know you're actually like asking for too little money to direct like that it's like he's like all the directors I work with usually get like five to ten percent of the budget and then of course the company that he's a partner of like pays directors like two percent of the budget but it's a different story 
but yeah, just like it's just something that's so stressful because I bet you that a lot of our listeners are undercharging for things. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I think the, including the two listening to each other talk right now. So anyhow, those are my tips. Take them or leave them. Uh, email us to let us know that you have better tips or that our tips are totally wrong or that Matt's uh, E.T. dance remix. Oh, man. I didn't say it's made good, you but it is want to quit the business. Oh, man. It's so good. I take it back. It's great. You can email us at justshootitpod at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. You can even... You could potentially leave us a voicemail, but you know what I've been hearing other podcasts say, which I'm now going to say on our podcast, record a voice memo and email it to us with your question. It makes life really easy for us and we don't need to work this Google voicemail thing. I think the voicemail actually is even no longer working. I think that it got canceled. That is that is something we've been hearing. <laughs> Lately. Yeah, that's my suspicion. So send us a voicemail. Yeah, or a, a voice, voice message. Memo. Um, and you can find us across all social media. We're at Just Shoot It Pod. We're constantly tweeting and Facebooking and doing things. Unfortunately, we're losing our social media manager, Derek Aiello. He uh, much love, Derek. Yeah, he is is expanding. He's he's got just got a big promotion and is very busy doing a lot of cool film related stuff. So if you're interested in being involved with our social media let us know we're looking to hire a new person hit us up at just shoot it pod at gmail.com and you can follow uh oren at smitey pie leg on twitter and at o kaplan on instagram and me at mr madden low across all social media uh this episode was edited by sarah weirda thanks sarah and you're listening to music provided by the free music archive and the artist jazar yep we'll catch you next time thanks everyone bye-bye bye Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.